Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Now he's going to stumble up and he's going to be sacked. Darius Leonard's going to bring him down. Heave it way downfield for Zach Pascal. Touchdown! We're talking Colts and recapping the action. Way downfield for Jack Doyle. He's got it! Touchdown! Cuts back 10, 5, touchdown! Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! I-N-D-Y! Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Live from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. Good evening. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 7 o'clock tonight. Following us are the Pacers, who are in Boston this evening. And the Colts season is over as they fell to the Jaguars in Week 18, 26-11. And it's hard to fathom that the 2021 campaign for the Colts is over with the loss. The Colts miss out on the playoffs as they finish the season 9-8. and eight. The Colts lost their last two games of the year, needing only one win to clinch a playoff berth as a wild card team. They couldn't get the job done, and Sunday's loss will no doubt go down as one of the toughest in the history of the franchise, considering all that was on the line and the fact the Colts lost to a 2-14 and 14 team who will be picking first in the draft in April. The Colts struggled mightily in Jacksonville as they've now lost to the Jaguars six straight times in games played at TIAA Bank Stadium. The Jags came into the game on an eight-game losing streak and had scored more than 20 points in only one of its last 10 games. But Jacksonville came to play. They had more urgency than the Colts. Jacksonville converted six of their first eight first downs. They had the ball for nearly 19 minutes in the first half. The Colts trailed by 10 at halftime. In the second half, things got worse. Carson Wentz lost a fumble and threw an interception. The Colts' defense couldn't keep the Jaguars out of the end zone after the pick, and the Jags led by 20 points heading into the fourth quarter. The Colts allowed a season-high six sacks in the game. The offense had a very tough day. The Colts had nine drives on the afternoon, and they either turned it over or turned it over on downs on five of them. Trevor Lawrence had his best game of the season, the rookie quarterback for the Jaguars, Threw for 223 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. He completed his first 12 passes of the game and 15 of his first 17 attempts. And the Colts' pass rush had a hard time getting home, recording just one sack and just two quarterback hits for the game. So, again, the Colts' season is over. Unfortunately, there's a lot to talk about and a lot of questions to ask and ponder. We'll do that coming up. We'll recap the game and the season with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, the former Colts. They'll join me starting on the next segment, and we're taking your questions all show long, again, with you until 7 o'clock tonight. If you have a question or a thought on the Colts, tweet it in using hashtag Colts Roundtable, of course, on Twitter. But first, we hear from head coach Frank Reich, brought to you, as always, by Citizens Energy Group. He's on the line with us. Coach, very much appreciate the time. Incredibly difficult end of the season in Jacksonville on Sunday. Can you describe what went wrong? Where did the game get lost, and, and what did it boil down to? It really, Matt, I, I just think the way the game started out, we were, you know, not making first downs on offense, and, and then on defense, they drove the ball right down the field on us. So not a good start, but we've got to be able to overcome stuff like that. You know, when we don't get off to a good start, we've got to be able to right the ship, and we just never were able to get momentum back on our side. How tough is it to deal with this realization that, you know, you've missed the playoffs? How tough of a pill is that to swallow, especially with, how well the team was playing heading into the final pair of games. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, it's really hard. And the what makes it hardest is, like, you can't undo it. You, the, you don't get one more shot at it. Yeah. You know, what's done is done. And uh, 
you know, what I mentioned earlier, it's like a scar, you know, it's like, it leaves a scar and, uh, it'll be there. It'll be there forever. Um, you look back on it and say, I, I remember when I had that injury and, and how that felt. And, but what you got to do is you got to use that to motivate you to get better. And that's what we plan on doing. You know, in the NFL, as you know, I mean, the league is ever changing. Teams change every year because of the draft and free agency player movement. It's inevitable. Um, this was the last time this Colts team uh, was intact like it was. How will you remember this group, and, and what are some memories you're going to have when you think back on the 2021 Colts? I mean, I, I, first of all, on the field, I think about, you know, really a couple epic wins, you know, that we had on the field. I think the win in San Francisco, you know, in that in that terrible weather was a was a great win. You know, I think about the, you know, the great win we had in Buffalo, um, and then really in Arizona, you know, three went three road wins against three playoff teams, you know, just giving an indication of the kind of team we have. And, you know, just the leadership of our team, the quality of our players, you know, on and off the field, um, you know, great leadership, great resiliency. Yeah, I mean, this, this didn't finish well, but um, I believe we have the core makings of, of, of a very good team in the coming years. That's Frank Reich with us here on Colts Roundtable Live. If you have a question for Coach, you can tweet it in tonight. It's the final show of the season um, using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Let's leave some time for the fan questions, Coach. Um, first up tonight is Justin. He's asking, what did you make of Carson Wentz in the final couple of games, and do you have an offseason plan for him to improve and become more consistent? Well, there's no doubt the last couple of games were disappointing for all of us, you know, and we all got to get better and – so, and when it comes to specifically the quarterback play, you know, it, it's hard to evaluate that, you know, right now without going back and looking at every aspect on, um, you know, on how we could have gotten better team. Certainly, can I say that, that Carson could have played better? Yes, but we could have all coached better and yeah. played better. That would be true about everyone on our team. Okay, Oliver is asking, do you get the sense that T.Y. Hilton played his final game on Sunday, and what has he meant to you as a coach? Well, I, I don't know the answer. I think T.Y. is sifting through that decision, and uh, I, I know he's meant the world to me personally. I, uh, my relationship with T.Y. is it's one of the highlights. It's been one of the highlights to my coaching career here with the Colts and uh, a player that I respect immensely, um, what he's done on and off the field, how he leads our team. So, uh, you know, he's, he's working through that decision, and uh, I don't think he's going to rush into it. All right, uh, let's go to John's question. Um, he's asking, how will the coaching staff go about getting better this offseason, and how do we make sure that this never happens to us again? Yeah, we'll go through, uh, you know, what a couple people have referred to as an autopsy report, right, yeah. that, you know, with the way this thing ended. So, um, you know, try to diagnose why weren't we able to finish the last two weeks. So um, that no stone will be left unturned, you know, um, everything is open for discussion and debate. You know, nobody, no one gets a free pass, including myself. Um, we all evaluate the process and how we played and how we can get better. Yeah, this is kind of in that same neighborhood, and I think you talked about this with the media today on uh, during your press conference. Uh, this is a question from Chris. He's asking, is there anything you can point to as to why the team didn't come out with more of a fire in the final two games of the season? It's hard right now. I'm still reflecting on that. Um, you know, especially this last week, we had a very good week of practice. I thought meetings were great. I mm -hmm. thought we had good game plans. And, 
you know, but we just didn't pull it together. So it's it's hard to put my finger on that right now. Right. But that's what we're going to continue to look at. All right. Next question comes from Bobby. Uh, how do we address our passing game for next season? Our running game is elite, but why was it so hard to complement the running game with the pass down the stretch? Yeah, we just we again we got to dissect it piece by piece, um, coaches and players, um, and. and Find out ways to be more efficient and explosive. That's really what we talk about. We want to be efficient and explosive. So um, there's a lot of different ways to do that in the past game. I, I do believe over the years that we've demonstrated, you know, an ability to know how to do that and how to get that done. Uh, so we just need to get back on track. Our last couple of questions. Uh, this is coming from Jennifer. Next season, will Jonathan Taylor still be the focal point of the offense? where you're trying to get him 20 to 25 carries right out of the gate starting in week one. Yes. I mean, uh, he's going to be the focal point of the offense. But, you know, our, our goal is not to be a, a, a power run football team. You know, we want to be dynamic in the run game and in the pass game. So, you know, if Jonathan does get 20 to 25 carries a game or, you know, right. there are some games it'll be more, some games it'll be a little bit less. But, that you know, that seems like a good number. For him, you know, we feel like that's a good workload number, and you know, you still we can still be dynamic in the pass game, um, but we'll we'll continue to evaluate that through the off season. All right, last one. This is coming from Sean. Uh, what can we do this off season to make sure training camp goes smoother from an injury standpoint, which will hopefully prevent a poor start to the season record wise? Yeah, we we always uh, evaluate all of our injury stuff, and um, you know, in training camp, and try to see. What was the common denominator? How can we minimize those? I mean, it's start training camp. There's always going to be some, but um, our, our, we have a great medical staff and training staff. So, again, we'll, we'll reevaluate all those things. And sometimes it's just a stroke of bad luck when you get a, a number of injuries um, that you can't do anything about. But we, that's part of the process of evaluation. Coach, I know this is uh, not how you wanted the season to end. I know this is not the conversation that you wanted to have on the last show of the year. These are not the questions that uh, you want to be answering today, but we appreciate everything, and I hope we can catch up soon when uh, things start to settle down a little bit in the off season. but uh, we really appreciate everything that you've done here on Colts Radio on Monday nights and Friday nights, so just want to say thanks. Thank you, man. I appreciate that very much. That's our final talk with Frank Reich here on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, where you can save at home on monthly bills when you can serve water and energy. For money-saving tips, visit citizensenergygroup.com. When we come back, we'll continue to break down the season. We'll talk about offensive improvement, defensive changes in the offseason, O-line tweaks, and a lot more. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're brought to you tonight by Citizens Energy Group, and we're back in just a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Caesars Sportsbook, the sportsbook for the people. Download and get started with a risk-free bet of up to $5,000. Terms and conditions apply must be 21 years or older. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. Welcome back again to Colts Roundtable Live, the final edition of the show here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to always be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. News does not stop when you go to sleep. Get caught up with everything on CBS 4 with Angela, Nick, Krista, and Rachel weekdays on CBS 4 this morning. Again, I'm Matt Taylor with the former Colts, Joe Wrights and Rick Venturi. As promised, the guys have been with me 
every step of the way. Again, this is our final show of the season due to the Colts uh, losing in Jacksonville yesterday, 26-11, to and their playoff hopes came to an end with that loss. And, and Joe, I'll start with you from a former player standpoint, certainly a gut-wrenching loss to the Jaguars. And, and what I think Colts fans are having a hard time dealing with is they had a 98% chance to make the playoffs after their win over the Cardinals on Christmas Day. And to not be able to get it done with those kinds of odds, with, with that kind of percentage in their favor, how did you feel watching the game? And I guess how do you feel now a day after? Watching the game, it was almost surreal because you kept thinking, is this really happening? Is this really happening? It's kind of like a bad dream. And even today, 24 hours later, still feeling a little bit of shock. And reason being is, you know, after we beat the Patriots, after we beat the Cardinals at Christmas, what happened inside that locker room is that guys started to believe that they were already in the dance. And everybody's saying, well, it's a 97% chance, 98% chance. But bottom line, it's still the NFL. And it's any given Sunday. And then we had a bunch of COVID issues. We were out of sync. We lost to the Raiders. Well, then it became, well, we just have to beat the Jaguars. Well, the Jaguars are still an NFL football team, even though, even though they had two wins. And, I mean, they played like a playoff team yesterday. And you got to give a lot of credit to Jacksonville yesterday because they were ready to play. They were more well-prepared. I mean, Lawrence looked like a future star. We got dominated at the line of scrimmage. And I just think from a 30,000-foot view, we'll get into the – you know, different schemes and tactics and, and kind of what lost X's and O's wise. But I think from a 30,000 foot view, after we had two just great wins back to back and it seemed like we were for sure in the playoffs, I felt like there was just a mental relaxation and kind of a sense of we've already arrived yeah. in the playoffs and we didn't. And that's how you lose two games, which, you know, again, now we're, we're talking here today and talking about how unfathomable it is. And I think the one thing too is to point out the Raiders game was a, a win and get in as well. And we're all talking about Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Jacksonville. And that was obviously a very disappointing performance. But if you take care of business at home the week before, you know, we're not having this conversation today. We're talking about who are the Colts going to play in the first round of the playoffs. Rick, I don't know about you. I, I'm still just incredibly shocked. I mean, after watching the tape for you, does it does it still feel real? Yeah, it really does. And it, and it just feels worse. I mean, you know, I said it after the game, you know, my hurt locker is as big as a casket. Hell, after watching the tape, it's as big as a room, to be honest with you. You know, and it, it wasn't that I didn't think this could be a competitive game. I mean, I talked all week about, you know, that on any given Sunday was a reality. And I focused on week 10 that they played us off their feet and they had a chance. But, you know, all that, all that being said – uh, I just never felt that I would ever see us actually get dismembered by this team. We we really did. You know, and, and I just, I don't have a lot of compassion. I'll get it. Uh, but this, you know, this season, it's always been kind of like a season on the brink for me. I mean, every game seems like it was a, a season on the brink and finally the clock struck 12. You know, and I don't have any compassion because our perceived stars, you know, our pro bowlers, all those guys, when their best was needed, it, it just wasn't there. It wasn't there in the last two weeks. And, you know, when I, you know, when you, you play 17, you know, 17 doesn't seem a lot more than 16, but it does to me. But one thing I know is after 17 weeks, um, you really define who you are. And really and truly, when I look at this team and I bought in at different times of the season, uh, I've certainly bought in, but really the reality is after 17 weeks of grading the film 
we have a great, great running back, you know, the best, the best anywhere. We, we have a guy on defense who can take the ball away better than anybody in the league. But really and truly after that, when you look at the last two weeks, it's, it's really a lot of mediocrity from top to bottom, coaching, playing, the whole thing. It's just not – it wasn't guys that could take over a game. I, I think it all started with the beginning of the games – um, I think it was it was tough in the in the Raider game, but that could happen. But I think yesterday was so important to take it to them right off the bat. They were going to be ready, but they were going to have a fragile fragile mentality, and you wanted to take it to them, hit them in the mouth, break their will quickly. And honestly, they shredded us just like the Raiders did. They shredded our defense on that first drive. And to me, Matt. You know, you talk about force multipliers and people, quarterbacks who make guys better around them, plays that make things better. To me, that was a force multiplier situationally because when they went down and scored and he went 11 for 11 to start the game, that was really all the confidence they needed. And, you know, their defense, and I'll say this, you know, it, you know, we got a garbage touchdown in the fourth quarter. They conceded four minutes, five minutes, and they, you know, we scored a touchdown. But I don't even count that. But in the last seven quarters against the Jacksonville Jaguars, we have three field goals on offense. So, you know, we really can't argue um, really what the results. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, as Joe said, we went from one of the highest highs in Phoenix, one of the you know, great performance under the circumstances, sure. you know, to one of the real uh, low points in uh, in this franchise history. And it really does, you know, I'm not the, out to get anybody's job, but there has to be accountability on this season in this collapse. I really believe that. So, you know, again, as I said, my hurt locker is very, very large today. Yeah, unfathomable that we're sitting here talking uh, about this. And, yeah, I mean, it really is crazy. I mean, no one saw this coming, and just can't believe this is. Uh, these are the topics on our final show, and that this indeed is the final show. Colts Audio Network includes podcasts, radio shows, press conferences, and player interviews. It's all available on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you download your podcast. Listen to exclusive Colts radio audio content on demand. Stay up to date on the Colts on your schedule. All right, guys, on uh, the rest of this segment here, let's bust out some truth or trash. This is pretty simple. I'll give you guys a statement, and uh, you tee it up, truth or trash, and then I'll get the heck out of the way. Uh, Joe, I'll start with you. The, the last two games of the season here for the Colts, those games prove that the Colts' offense can't just be all about Jonathan Taylor and the running game. What do you think? Truth or trash on that? Truth on that statement right there. And I think with the run game, as good as we are with Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in the league, and you know, as good as our offensive line kind of played collectively for the year, the offensive line did not bring it the last two games and felt like we got dominated at the line of scrimmage against the Raiders and against the Jags. But the reason that's a truthful statement, Matt, is it's simple numbers. If you have five linemen, two tight ends block, and that's seven blockers, a defense can put nine or ten guys in the box, and they can basically say, we're going to take away the run game. Now, you can hit some some creases here and there, but you got to be able to throw the ball and be able to throw the ball downfield to win a ball game. And I felt like the last two weeks, you know, our Achilles heel really on offense was the inability with the downfield passing game to generate every, anything. And, you know, that comes down to a lot of things. It comes down to protection, which wasn't great 
comes down to receivers getting separation, which we've had issues with all year, comes down to the quarterback and timing and accuracy and making plays. It comes down to running backs and pass protection. Um, but bottom line, teams can really scheme up to take away the run game if they want. And it's simple math. That's why you got to be able to win games through the air. Felt like at times we were able to do that, but that, you know, really bit us the last two ball games down the stretch. Yeah, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. This is definitely truth to me. And I, I've been speaking this truth for the last month. I saw it coming. I saw the evolution as Jonathan grew and grew and grew, and we fed him and we fed him more. Um, I never thought that I would ever live to see the day that you could put nine guys from numbers to numbers right. and basically not even hide it up. Joe's talking about uh, numbers there uh, versus your offense and not not even hide it up and leave one corner outside of one numbers and another corner outside of the numbers and think you can get by with it. But they did get by with it because we just, our passing game just died. It just gradually came to a halt. And we, you know, we no longer threaten the outside third of the field. And you just, you know, at the end of the day, we can't pass it and we can't stop the pass. I'll, I'll be real. I'll, I'll simplify it for everybody. But we're 25th on the pass. And I learned this back in 1982. You've got to be able to pass it and you've got to be able to stop the pass in the National Football League. Don't even, don't even exaggerate the run to me. I know what it means. But as Joe said, I've I've said this all year, I can eventually stop you with numbers, which they have made it tougher and tougher. You know, the 200 yards games, you know, two weeks and three, two weeks and three weeks ago, that was tough duty. And then yesterday they were all over and they've, they've stopped it for two games, to be honest with you. Right. And honestly, to not, you know, to me, that's my biggest criticism because I saw it coming, you know, to not be able to attack people outside the numbers with Pittman and Hilton, you know, that just tells me that Pittman and Hilton, they, they don't have much confidence in them or we don't know what we're doing because it's really just a numbers game and you have to be able to do that and you have to be able to do it on first down because in this league with Jonathan Taylor, I've said this every week, you're going to get those nine guys inside the numbers. You're going to get it a hundred percent of the time. So no, I don't believe that you're you're ever going to do that. And we have a lot to fix. We, we I, I think we have a marginal recruit or a receiver core at best. We have a quarterback who's hit or miss. And Joe hit it. Our offensive line. I mean, they've really struggled the last two weeks. Six sacks and two turnovers. I mean, they got demolished yesterday. Yeah, and some numbers to kind of back some things up here. We know Jonathan Taylor led the NFL in rushing. He led it by a, a wide margin. In fact, 552 yards, that's the widest margin in the NFL since 2009. But unfortunately, guys, Jonathan Taylor becomes the first rushing champ to not make the playoffs since Maurice Jones-Drew in 2011. And the passing game in the last eight games of the season, Carson Wentz, 61% completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, 4 picks, only an 87.1 passer rating, and uh, his average yards per attempt was 6.3. Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. This is Colts Roundtable live tonight on 93.5 and 107.5. We're doing some truth or trash. Rick, let's go to you first uh, because you talked about that offensive line. Truth or trash here, the Colts O-line needs to be tweaked in the offseason and wasn't as dominant as it should have been this season. Truth or trash? Well, you know, I think it was dominant. It, I, I'm going to say truth. I will say truth because there's. A, I think we have a, a problem and 
how we're going to fix it, I don't know. It was a problem we had last year. It's still a problem this year. You know, I think that our line at times was dominant. I think there were games that we were run dominant, particularly when we had diversity in the runs. Um, you know, I think Doyle meant a ton to that on the running game. I think, you know, he was outstanding. The wham plays, all you know, the toss cracks, all the stuff that we did along with our zones. You know, I think I, at times our run blocking was dominant. Our pass blocking, really not so much in two areas. And really, uh, you know, I'm not going to make excuses for him because <laughs> the, the reality is we're sitting home watching the playoffs. But our left tackle position is still, and it was exposed more and more really as the season went on, and Allen just <laughs> absolutely killed Fisher. I mean, that left tackle is still a huge issue. I mean, I think, you know, we could be all right the rest of the way across the board, but that is an issue. And then number two is not just an offensive line issue. And I've warned you, 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 you guys heard me talk about it last week and the week before. In the last month of the season, teams have blitzed us from that second level, and we have missed a thought the two biggest plays, defensive plays of the game yesterday when we were still in it was the unblocked Wilson blitz on the double sink, and he hits it, and Braden Smith gets confused and doesn't come back, and then Wilson's interception. But again, I said that all along, that if you don't start picking up these second-wave blitzes, you are going to get it over and over. And I was really thinking about the playoffs we were going to get it. Little did I know that that sack, because that sack was huge, because it was, it was demoralizing to us as well. Yeah, I, I agree, Coach. But to your point about the individual personnel, I, I feel like from Quentin Nelson to the right, you know, those guys were, for the most part, mostly solid. Now, you know, mm -hmm. Smitty struggled a little bit. He missed some time with injury. You're, you're going to struggle. I mean, you're an offensive lineman. You're not going to win 60 straight plays against, you know, defensive linemen that are getting paid a lot of money, too. But to Coach's point, you know, left tackle was an issue. And while you want to talk about the offensive line and, you know, how great, you know, guys can be. Left tackle is the most important position on that line. And I think that speaks a little bit to just the overall roster, in my opinion. Do I believe we have a very talented and deep roster? Yes. But at some of the most critical positions, left tackle, cornerback, you know, wide receiver, you know, the quarterback being up and down, we have some question marks there. And it goes back to coach. I know you always talk about it. You know, each player's position has a ceiling on how good they can be. You know, you can be Quentin Nelson, the best guard in football, which I believe he is. But if you're a, a good left tackle, that has a higher value overall than a great left guard, if that makes sense. And I think that left tackle to yeah. me is going to be very interesting what we do going into the offseason. I do think that prior and some time there showed some flashes and some potential. He has the body type. I think he has the twitch to be able to play it. But is he somebody that you look to long-term, Fisher, you know, draft picks, free agency, that, you know, is what I'm going to be keeping my eye on next year because that definitely, you know, came back to bite us at the biggest time, you know, yesterday afternoon. Truth or Trash here on Colts Roundtable Live. That's Joe Wrights, Rick Venturi along. I'm Matt Taylor, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan tonight. Final Truth or Trash, Joe, we'll go to you first. The Colts' defense's ability to create takeaways, it was good this year, right? They finished second in the NFL in total takeaways with 33 but that's not enough to take the defense where it wants to go. Is that truth or trash? I'm going to say truth, and I'm going to say truth because I felt all year we were good against the run. Again, Matt, you mentioned that we were number one or number two all year and taking the ball away. But bottom line, pass game defense, 
we failed and we failed in two areas. It's all tied together. It's coverage on the back end. It's pass rush on the front end. I mean, when did we get a pass rush yesterday on Trevor Lawrence? I mean, coach mentioned right. it, the confidence they got from that first drive. I mean, we had two third and longs it's third and 10. And I'm thinking, Oh, guaranteed they get off the field. The one drive, you know, I was listening to you guys and we were talking about, Oh, the penalty got backed up. Now it goes from third yeah. and manageable to third and long. And I'm thinking, well, we're getting off the field. We're going to punt. Here we go. And then they complete it. And, we just had the inability to stop teams in the past game. And I think it's personnel. I think it's schematic. But really, you know, I look at I always watch the front guys first. Our pass rush really was non-existent for the most part when we just had four guys. We had to bring pressure. We had to have special circumstances. We had to fall into some different sacks. We weren't able to just kind of line up and beat guys one-on-one. And then that goes into the, the back end as well, you know, in terms of just pure coverage, being able to play the man, bring an extra guy down in the box, bring five or six guys to blitz we weren't able to do that too. So while we were great in turning the ball over, and that's a huge predictor for success, we also had some unique variables this year. And we were plus three turnovers against the Titans and lost. We were plus two turnovers at home against the Raiders and lost. Mm -hmm. But that speaks to our inability to really get stops on third down and really get stops against the pass. Yeah, and Joe Joe hit it perfectly. Yesterday on 32, um, 32 attempted calls, we hit the quarterback two times, and this is this is it, that's just amazing. And you know, I, I think it's truth. Uh, and, and nobody loves turnovers better than I do. And, and turnovers are hard to get; they're outstanding. Now we have one guy who makes it go. You know, we can we can talk about team turnovers, but really, they're the result. Really, the big numbers are the result of one guy, right. and that's Leonard. And there's nobody like him. But, and I've always said this, though, what you have to be careful about, and I warned during the year, is that turnovers sometimes mask the, that, that you're really not stopping people. You're, you're getting the ball back at times, but you're really not stopping people. And I think the turnovers really mask a very mediocre defense, which at the end of the year finished 16th, right in the middle. But when you look at the pass-related stuff, you know, it's 19th on the pass. It's 19th on third down. And then here's where it kills you. And here's where it killed you all year long because this team, one of the failures of this team was we could not finish games and we couldn't finish the season. So, you know, that, that's a big picture thing. But when you look at it, we're 25th in the league in sacks. I mean, and yesterday it was just ridiculous. I mean, it, you know, and, and Jacksonville not only is not a great offensive line, they played with two yeah. backups and, to start the game. And two guys on and COVID. They, and Joe's right. I mean, we couldn't get off a block. We were, I mean, we were just stalling. I mean, he had all day long he could be patient, and that's all that kid needed after that first drive. So, you know, the 25 sacks mean something. The 29th fourth quarter, the rank, ranking 29th in the fourth quarter has to do with your pass, has to do with, you know, finishing the game, you know, and, and the, just those are the areas, you know, again, we, we can't throw the ball well enough and we can't stop the pass. And that is a recipe. That's a recipe for disaster in the National Football League. All right, that's Truth or Trash here on Colts Roundtable Live with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. When we come back, we're going to open up the mailbag. We'll take your end-of-the-season questions. Get them in tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable on Twitter. That's on the way when we come back. Colts Roundtable Live here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. We're back here on Colts Roundtable Live again, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner, where you can find winning conservation tips online at citizensenergygroup.com. Colts Roundtable Live is also brought to you in part by Meyer, the official supercenter of the Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. I'm Matt Taylor, back again with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, the former Colts, and we're taking your Twitter questions now. Send them in using hashtag Colts Roundtable. This is our final show, of course, of the 2021 season by virtue of the Colts coming up short on Sunday to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's go to Ben's question up first. Joe, do you think Carson Wentz played well enough this season for the Colts to believe in him next season and beyond? Yeah, I feel like Wentz had a a bell-shaped season after that Titans game when he was really hurt on the ankle. He came back and put together a stretch that was as good as anybody in the league. And what's funny is, you know, a couple weeks ago on the pregame show, we were talking about Wentz, and, you know, I was defending him saying – he had the second-best QBR, the, the stat in totality, since week four of any quarterback. He was in between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and he had played that good in stretches in terms of efficiency, yeah. third down, red zone touchdowns, not turning the ball over. But then you look at really the last month of the season, and he kind of came down off the end of that hill or you know into that, that bell-shaped mean. And you know when you look at the Patriots game, he didn't play well, and then you look at you know, the Cardinals game, you know, he struggled some, but boy, he had just an incredible fourth quarter. I really thought that was going to galvanize him. And I don't know how much missing, you know, practice with COVID, et cetera, but he was not good the last two games. And so to me, that you know, there's still some question marks on Wentz because I felt like week in and week out, you didn't necessarily know what you were going to get. Sometimes he looked like, you know, he was a top quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then you had times like yesterday afternoon where, felt like we couldn't throw it in the ocean. So it'll be interesting to me, you know, the evaluations, you know, and as they go on, you know, between Frank and Chris, just kind of really what they think about Wentz and really what, yeah. you know, his ceiling can be be here as a Colts quarterback. All right, let's go to Paul's question. Uh, Rick, what happened to our secondary in the last couple of games? I know we had guys injured, but did we revert to our so- uh, soft zone coverage? And if so, why? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think that we totally reverted to it. I thought that we reverted to it early uh, in long yardage situations. The, the the downs that Joe were talking about, those third and twelves, third and tens uh, that he got going. You know, those were against zone defense. I would have liked to pressure him right off the bat and check his whole card. We didn't do it. Um, you know, but we have had problems really uh, for four years. Uh, in terms of our scheme, one, uh, we do still play uh, a lot of area zone. So when you're playing area zone, you know, you're counting on reading the quarterback and breaking to the ball, uh, which I, I personally don't think works in the National Football League. I think they'll shred you with that. Um, I thought that we really tried after the Jets game, after three and a half years after the Jets game, uh, you know, when those, uh, when those marginal guys put up all those numbers, there was something happened because we really tried then to play uh, more man-to-man. We played more man-to-man, a little bit more sticky zone. We played a little bit more matchup zone, but it, it, it isn't nothing. Nothing is done extremely well. I mean, I, I think personally that we lack uh, two things. I think we lack sophistication in coverage. 
uh, nuance in coverage. And by that, I mean, you know, you got to give people different looks. Sometimes it's combination man zones. Sometimes it's double coverage on a receiver. I mean, when is the last time that we've ever taken away a top receiver? Even Sunday, we go into that game and they have one, one legitimate receiver in Jones, and I think he catches the first three third downs of the game like he like he's wide open. I just I'll never understand that. And I think we do lack nuance. I think we lack game specificity in terms of we're going to take away this guy or we're going to attack this guy on the rush. I just don't see that from our team. And 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 with the good defensive coordinators I've been with, you can yeah. you can do that. I think we have. The second thing is we can't, and Joe mentioned this early, we just have literally had no four-man pass rush. I mean, and, you know, it's a shame. We, 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 we sent Autry packing, and he has nine at the end of the year, and even Houston, four and a half. And we haven't got anybody that has really dominated and give us the type of rush that we need. I think that's killed us in fourth quarters. Um, you know, I think that's an issue. I, we don't have a shutdown corner. We've got guys that played a little bit better, but when you're counting, when, when you're telling me, you know, we're going to be hurting if Rock Yassin isn't playing, then then you really have problems. Okay, so you know, I think it's a combination, you know, personnel, uh, no shutdown corner, no real rushers right now, in a scheme that lacks nuance, uh, uh, sophistication and game specificity. And, you know, when you look at the numbers, uh, you know, passing-wise, you know, they'll, they'll basically document that. Tonight's show is brought to you by EverStream, Indy's business-only fiber network, faster fiber and better business. This is Colts Roundtable Live. I'm Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, and Joe Wrights. When we come back, we'll close out the show. We'll get Rick and Joe's final thoughts on the season and set the stage for what's going to be a very busy off-season for the Colts. That's coming up next here on Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You're locked in the Colts Roundtable Live. A look at the latest action with the Indianapolis Colts. For more Colts talk, here's Matt Taylor, live from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. Welcome back for the final time on the final show of Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you each week by Citizens Energy Group, proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Caesars, where all season long you can play our predictive game Pick 6, brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook. Visit the Colts app before every playoff game and click on Pick 6 to submit your answers for a chance to win Colts prizes in the postseason. Must be 21 to play. With Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, I'm Matt Taylor. Again, this is our final show as we wrap up Colts Roundtable Live in 2021. Uh, I'll give you guys the floor one final time. Uh, Joe, I'll start with you if you want to just give your final thoughts on this Colts 2021 season, finishing uh, in disappointing fashion as the Colts fall to 9-8 and eight after a loss on Sunday to the Jaguars. Uh, if you want to talk about the season in totality and your offseason priorities you have for the Colts now that the offseason is uh, officially here. Fun season with a very disappointing and sudden end. And I think when you look at their record, 9-8, and eight, they're above 500. But this was a, a team that was vastly different in terms of, you know, this was a team that, that should have been in the playoffs and that by all intents and purposes was there two weeks ago. It wasn't a team that kind of struggled all year around 500. And when I look at the season, what I'm going to really think about most and reflect on, I'm sure all these you know players and coaches are doing this agonizingly, is it's a game of inches. You look back at the Rams game. 
at the Titans game, at the Ravens game, the Raiders game, you know, all these games, we had, you know, double digit leads and lost them. And uh, it's, it's a game of inches and it's the NFL and you got to bring it every Sunday and you got to be able to have that killer mentality to know how to really win games in the fourth quarter when the stakes are rising. And that's something that I feel like on the whole, we failed out this year. And that's why, you know, we're going to be staying at home. And I think it's going to be a really tough pill to swallow. I think that this roster has been really good shape and there's a lot of great pieces, but I think a lot of it too is, is that leadership within the locker room. And that's one thing that I think, you know, we can talk all we want about coaches and scheme, et cetera. When your players in that locker room and you need to win one of your final two games to get in the playoffs, you just got to get it done. And I feel like our stars disappointed in the final couple games. And I think that's what is, is really, again, something that's going to have a lot of reflection, you know, looking in the mirror, you know, who's going to take control of this team? What players are going to be the guys in the locker room? They're going to say, fellas, this is not good enough. It's not good enough to win nine games and, and almost it, it's good enough to win the division and win 11, 12 games. And you got this thing clinched, you know, two weeks to go in the season, because that's the type of roster I think this team can have. And I think hopefully players can use all this as motivation in the off season to make sure that you don't have this just kind of sick, you know, and sad and sour taste in your mouth that everybody's experiencing right now. Yeah. To me, it was, it just was a tremendous roller coaster. Uh, you know, it was, it was filled with exhilaration at times, you know, and just an, an absolute, <laughs> an absolute demoralization at other times. I think in retrospect, if you take the two seasons back to back, I think when you look at the 11 and five, it was, uh, you know, maybe a little bit overachieving. And when you look at the nine and eight, uh, I think it was really uh, underachieving. I would kind of define this team as I'd use two words. I, I think it, it was capable. I think it was capable of moments of greatness. Uh, we saw that, but it was also painfully flawed. And that came back to bite us in different areas, which we've talked about all season long, and we particularly talked about it today. I think the most important thing, the two things, is first of all, we have to address totally the passing game on offense, and that's all aspects of it, and the pass defense and all aspects of it. I mean, when, it, when you look at it statistically and your eyes look at it on the tape, those are the, those are the areas that just absolutely killed us and created uh, really the nine and eight. You know, the, the problem, the only problem I have, and it, it really irks me, is the same questions that we had going into 221, okay, you know, are, are going to be questions that we have now at the end of 221 going into 222. You know, we're still, we've got quarterback issues. We can make excuses for them. we got quarterback issues. we got left tackle issues. we got wide receiver issues. You know, we've got rush, rusher issues, and we got corner issues. So, you know, those five things were problems in 20, 21, 22. We've tried, but we haven't fixed it. And so, you know, for us to keep going, that's going to have to be fixed, and it's going to be tougher because you don't have a number one. And, and a few of those positions have to be high investment to get a rusher, to get a big-time rusher, to get a big-time corner. Um, a left tackle, a wide, those guys don't grow on trees, particularly those three positions. I mean, they just don't grow on trees. And so it's going to be very difficult. But if you look at it and you're honest about it and not spinning it, those five issues are still issues today. 
All right, we got to run. That's all the time we have tonight. Guys, thank you so much for all the time, the insight, and the knowledge all season long. It's a ton of fun doing this show with you guys, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Unfortunately, it ends way too soon, uh, but it's it's my pleasure to do this show with you guys. So, again, thank you very much for making it fun, making it entertaining and informative every Monday night. Really, really appreciate it, you guys. Thanks, Matt. You're the best. Thank you, Matt. No question about it. I'm going to miss this one. That's all the time we have. Thanks to everybody who joined the show and participated and tweeted in their questions. My thanks as well to Frank Reich, who joined us on a weekly basis here on Colts Roundtable Live. Coming up next, it's Pacer Basketball, the blue and gold in Boston tonight. We will talk to you next year on this show. But the last word, the offseason home of the Colts, that will start up on Friday night here on the home of the Colts. Until then, thanks for listening to Colts Roundtable Live right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.